0: Hi, this is Bill Riley of Stone Throw Media. Welcome to Episode 6 of Sidewalk Skyline. I serve as Technical Director and Co-Producer on this podcast, and since our regular host Kevin Rogers is the guest today, this is my opportunity to chime in. A lifelong career in broadcast television and recently in digital media has equipped me to answer God's call in my life to serve in mission video work. The 20 year relationship with Kevin Rogers as my pastor and my friend, well, it's created a synergy that's really necessary to work side by side on this unique and important ministry vehicle, Sidewalk Skyline. Paul Fraser is the director of Multiply Network, a national agency of PAOC that focuses on church planting in Canada. He is a fellow podcaster with the Multiply Network podcast. One of his interviews last year was with Kevin Rogers. Kevin is one of many who are incubating fresh vision to see the gospel thrive in the urban centers of Canada. Let's go now to Paul's interview from June 2019 and find out what it means to multiply the urban quest.
1: Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Well, hi there. Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser, the host of the Multiply Network Podcast, and we're so glad that you jumped on this month's. You're going to be So happy you did. We're gonna be talking with a good friend of mine, Kevin Rogers. He's in Windsor, Ontario, planted a church 20 years ago, had a huge heart for the marginalized, the broken, those in urban centers. And uh, you're gonna hear a great story with some great insight on how to reach our urban centers. We're talking about unique disciple-making communities this month. And they really are doing some incredible things, some feeding programs in Windsor. They're going into some high-risk uh, apartment buildings, providing lunch programs for people. You're going to love what they're doing. I hope you're going to be inspired by them. The interview is coming up right now. Well, we're super, super, super excited to have a friend of mine join the Multiply Network podcast. Kevin Rogers, Welcome.
2: Hey, Paul. Uh, I'm a fan of the podcast. I listen to every episode. Love what you're doing.
1: It's amazing. I, I get such great feedback. You're a great fan, um, but you just have great ideas. In fact, you're the one that got me thinking about doing our Take 5 videos and making them podcasts for people to uh, to listen to. Got great ideas. Thanks for Thanks for listening. And now you get to be the one interviewed. How do you feel about that?
2: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I feel good. In fact, I'm uh, working on a, a podcast in development stages, um, uh, creating a... Can I do my little plug right Yeah, game? do a plug, sure. Okay, sure. So watch for uh, a new podcast that will be coming out later this year called Sidewalk Skyline. Uh, I interview people who are doing very unique uh, urban ministry uh, across Canada in our in our urban centers and uh, just some fascinating stories of people doing some incredible things. So that's my plug.
1: Okay, I'll be I'll be a faithful fan as well. Thanks, Kevin. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are and what you're doing for the three or four people that may not know who you are? (laughs)
2: Well, um, I uh, responded to a call uh, from God to plant a church, and uh, so I moved to Windsor and uh, began to put all of the pieces together to form a, a core group and launch a church. We launched in 1994 and just celebrated our 25th anniversary. New Song Church, where uh, I'm still the pastor, and I think I may stay. Yeah. I've kind of uh, kind of been here a while and uh, just uh, enjoyed the longevity of it all.
1: And and what kind uh, of... The church... Yeah, so go ahead, talk a little bit about what kind of church yeah. you planted, because this month we're talking about uni- uh, unique disciple-making communities, and mm-hmm. you didn't plant mm-hmm. just the typical church.
2: Right, so growing up in a pastor's home and growing up in church, um, I heard a lot of great messages growing up about going into the world and, and uh, making disciples. And uh, yet in my uh, early young adulthood, uh, I wondered, how do you do that? How do you actually go mm-hmm. into the world and make disciples? And, uh, and I kind of thought at that time, Uh, Well, I I don't think uh, church ministries is where I would end up if I were going to uh, be making disciples. And, of course, I grew into the realization that the church is God's vehicle for making disciples. And uh, so when it came to church planting, um, I didn't know a lot, but what I did know was there needed to be, a way for people that had a lot of barriers up uh, to come to Jesus. Yeah. And, 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 and so I, I had to approach it like a missionary going into a new culture. Uh, so as I moved into uh, a neighborhood, uh, our church after three years, we bought our first building. It was an old bar in in a neighborhood, Ford City, that at that time, Uh, had a reputation for having one of the worst crime rates in the city and uh, a lot of, a lot of social issues, a lot of poverty. Uh, You know, 20, 20 plus years later uh, we're in a neighborhood that is coming back to life has one of the lowest crime rates in the city. And uh, it hasn't happened yet through uh, gentrification. uh, But I believe it's happened because uh, partly because of the presence of the church yeah the fact that we've been here feeding people, uh, advocating for people, getting, getting enmeshed in, in the lives of so many marginalized people and it, it really has brought uh, a lot of peace to the streets yeah. in our neighborhood uh, our, our focus uh, when we started the church, I, I, I knew that it needed to be a church plant that was going to make uh, marginalized people at its center.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was who we needed to be missionaries to. And, uh, so approaching it like a missionary, uh, you know, coming in to, uh, what was, uh, a, a new culture to me, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, l- lower middle-class pastor life, uh, to uh, entering into a place of uh, homelessness and addiction and prostitution and violence and every kind of trouble. Uh, But, but it was, it was that missiological approach to say, this is a great place to have a church and uh, to, to, we need to be here. It takes a while really know the people and for them to trust you but uh, that's that's the nature of uh, new song church
1: so when we you have this tremendous heart for urban areas and so when i think of windsor um mm-hmm. i'm not thinking you know downtown toronto urban but there's a lot of similarities and you grew a heart for the marginalized as you mentioned Why don't you talk a little bit about your passion that I think for you has grown? It wasn't always there. Yeah, yeah, it grew for the urban areas. Why don't you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, it it definitely grew. Uh, I I would say it grew before church planting. It it grew from childhood, uh, growing up in a, a pastor's home. And uh, just, you know, watching the way that my dad would uh, care for people, the way he mm. would uh, take people who are marginalized or struggling and and uh, just pastor them. So that that heart uh, came a long time before the city. But the um, the, the heart for the city, uh, I like it when I travel from time to time and I get to be in a, a new city or another city where I can walk around on the streets. I love to, to just walk and get a five senses tour in a city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm amazed every time at how um, I almost almost choke up, almost get emotional. I get emotional uh, just being in city life. And uh, so I think that's something that, that God placed there. Um, when we talk about urban, uh, the majority uh, of Canada's population, uh, well over 80% uh, live in urban centers. And uh, when you look at uh, the placement of where our church located, mm-hmm. there's a disproportionate placement of churches in suburbs and outward right so uh what about the city center and i know that this is part of your history in edmonton too yeah, yeah. you know that, that you share that uh that that view that vision
1: yeah
2: uh, the best definition i have come across for urban i heard from steve pike uh, urban islands project uh, out in denver he, he defines urban this way high density high diversity and high disparity
1: mm. so high density okay just where stop the most- just stop let yeah. that sink in when you think about those things that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean a city over a million no you can nope. have that anywhere wow you can yeah you can so unpack that so, for us uh, yeah yeah so high density
2: uh, you know, um, downtown Toronto, uh, city limits of Toronto uh, are going to, to grow uh, this year uh, by hundreds of thousands of people moving into the same type geography. Yeah. It's getting thicker. It's getting denser. And, uh, you know, if you look at the missionary journeys in the New Testament, uh, all of the church planting happened as they went uh, to major crossroad cities uh, throughout uh, the ancient Near East uh, and and further Asia Minor and mm-hmm. and uh, into into Europe. It was always uh, going first to the city uh, th- where the high density was, uh, the high diversity speaks to the fact that if you get a lot more people together, uh, you're going to see uh, just a a greater conglomerate of diversity taking place. Mm -hmm. Uh, People uh, in a small town that might feel like I'm the only one like myself in this town, go to a city and discover, oh, there's a whole tribe of of us here. So high diversity and then high disparity. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, in our church, uh, uh, not far from here is neighborhood Walkerville, which has some of the most prestigious, uh, homes, uh, you know, the places you want to live, but you go over one street and you find on some streets, you're going to find crack houses, Mm. you know, or like, like it, it's the, the, the lines are drawn sharply in the city sometimes in rural uh it, it poverty is hidden uh sometimes poverty is hidden in the suburbs uh but it's it's it, right in front of you it's very visible the disparity that between the haves and the haves not have nots the rich and the poor yeah uh, the, those who uh have great entitlement and uh those who have none right uh so those to me, that's, that's, um, that's urban, high density, high diversity, high disparity. And uh, in my role as uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, directors with Mission Canada, uh, my portfolio is urban centers. And Mission Canada is, a, uh, is our PAOC missionary agency to raise up missionaries to Canada in strategic areas uh, and into the gaps of Canadian culture, into the places that our churches, uh, are sometimes reticent to go, or, Mm uh, just don't know how to get in, uh, to, to the gaps. So Mission Canada is all about, uh, stirring up, uh, that kind of missionary, um, vision and fervor, uh, to go. Um, so urban centers, uh, boy, what a what a an amazingly huge harvest field yep. field and 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 yet at the same time, um, you know we we don't have people lining up to do urban ministry.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, well, let me yet. let me yet. jump in. Yet, yet, of course, yeah. We keep praying for laborers that God would send workers into the fields and uh, certainly urban areas are one of those places that we need more people to go. And, and, and of course Mm -hmm. he calls us to make disciples. And so, you know, one of the things that we talked about in, you know, certainly grateful for mission Canada and Brian and the entire team that do such a great job finding the gaps in Canada and raising up workers to go. um, But not just to go, but to make disciples in, one of the things that we talked about in our 2020 initiative, our vision, was that we wanted to have, be at 1,500 disciple-making communities by 2020. So what mm-hmm. do you think a disciple-making community is, and how can they look? So
2: in my context, a disciple-making community, first thing I had to shed was the, the um, ingrained notion that discipleship is linear that it is uh, classroom-based. You know, I mean, that's that's our educational system, right? We go to school, and when you finish grade one, you go to grade two.
1: Yeah.
2: And a lot of times we approach discipleship uh, with an educational paradigm. Uh, and I think the, uh, you know, uh, discipleship in, in the Jesus sense, in the rabbinical sense, was much more about Uh, how are we doing life together and how does the teacher or the rabbi or the disciple maker, uh, impart, um, wisdom, uh, not just through their, their teaching, but through the demonstration of their life. And, um, and, and if we approach church in a very departmentalized, uh, you know, programmatic sense, we might miss, uh, the, a a deeper element of discipleship where, um, the best discipleship sometimes happens, uh, when, when you're walking with somebody through a crisis, uh, the best discipleship sometimes happens when, uh, you know, you're, you're standing in the gap with somebody, uh, that, uh, hasn't earned, um, they don't have any merit to uh, receive grace or favor, but as you become their advocate, uh, as you become the one that is their stand in for Jesus, uh, they actually learn to follow Jesus by your example. So I think that's really important in, in thinking through discipleship. In uh, urban, um, in Canada, uh, there's five uh, key models that I see of how PAOC is expressing uh, ministry in urban centers. And uh, the acronym I use is QUEST, Q-U-E-S-T. Can I unpack that
1: for you? Yeah, do that.
2: So the first one, QUEST, uh, Q. Uh, qualitative neighbors. So imagine living in a city specifically on mis- mission to your residential neighbors. Um, so a, we have people, uh, who are making disciples by moving into neighborhoods, getting to know, uh, the, the neighbors and, uh, intentionally living in a way to be light bearers. Uh, benefiting the lives that they encounter on a daily basis, uh, our friend Karen out in Vancouver is a great, great. example of this. Yeah. And, and there, there's uh, other organizations in PAOC and out, outside, um, you know, Parish Collective, uh, the Downtown Windsor Community Collaborative. There's uh, models popping up of people uh, move in as an organization, and 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 the the premise is. That if you uh, actually give, get geographically specific and name specific about loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, that you earn um, the, the the proper place to uh, to be a proclaimer of the gospel, a demonstrator, a a model of of the Jesus life, and and often people who live as qualitative neighbors Uh, will have rhythms of spiritual practice that are more home-based than Mm church-centered. There's a greater focus on living a shared life in shared space with others in the discipleship journey. Uh, Raymond Bakke uh, said, is Jesus just our message or is he also our model? Mm -hmm. In fact, we know now that nearly all urban persons come to Christ through relationships not through media. Mm -hmm. The bigger the city, the higher this percentage seems to be. So the bigger the city, um, the more uh, people come to Christ through relationship. So qualitative neighbors. Um, Another expression, the letter U, is urban church. Urban church. So Mm -hmm. urban church is uh, sometimes qualitatively different than suburban church or a town church or a rural church. An urban church is primarily a a congregational expression of disciples who are in the urban core. Uh, Often we'll call churches that are uh, sort of more in the core downtown areas, we might sometimes think of them as mission churches uh because uh, they sometimes they have uh, they're located in in urban settings that tend to um uh have a just a very colorful vibrant um scene happening around them Yeah, and uh urban churches tend to have a mix of both local residents people from the neighborhood and commuters who make the journey into the city because uh, they are attracted to that un- unique local mission, yeah. or they're historically attached to the congregation. Well, this is the church that our family's been at for forty five years, you right. know, and even right. though the city grew up and changed all around and we live you know twenty kilometers away, we drive in because this is our church yeah uh, but but a healthy urban church will discover, that parish around them, that need to, uh, to, to reach the, the people that are within walking distance, within 30 minutes walk of, mm-hmm. of the church. So you look at, uh, you know, Danforth Community Church, uh, you know, Charles Hermel, pastor there in, in a um, uh, three kilometer circumference, I think he's got half a million people. You know, and, uh, and so some of those people are, are in his church and some are commuters, but, um, the, the, the church, the city desperately needs us to reach our city. So, uh, Q qualitative neighboring, U urban church, E energizers, energizers. Now that's a, I mean, immediately people think of the battery and the bunny, but, um, Uh, Energizers, I would say, uh, are those who are making disciples through an intentional focus on shaping the culture in the arts, in media, in education, in social services, in politics, in community engagement. Um, Energizers uh, are bringing uh, energy. They're bringing light and uh, they're bringing God's spirit. Uh, by making disciples in subcultures and among influencers. Okay. So, uh, Light and Film is a great example of this with with Jamie Rao and and uh, some of his associates, uh, where they are making disciples uh, in the film industry, in the entertainment community. Um, Connie Jacob. Uh, in Calgary with the, the arts community and all that she's doing, uh, you know, a middle aged, uh, mom with, with kids who's right in the heart of Calgary's hip hop community. You know, she is, um, an energizer. She is bringing the life of God into a subculture. She's bringing the people who are energizers, uh, are placed alongside those who are influencers. So energizers, um, qualitative neighbors, urban church, energizers, S, street workers. Street workers uh, would be a combination of evangelism and social justice work with people moving about the urban core. Uh, so in Montreal, uh, we have uh, Jean-Paul, who's uh, uh handle is a uh, rude, de Pasteur, street pastor. And, uh, he spends his ministry days on the streets of Montreal, uh, like a chaplain, uh, just watching yeah. for opportunities to talk to people and to, to find people in crisis and help them to get to, to strength and, and, uh, supports that they need, uh, E.J. Toupe, same thing in Toronto. Uh, we have uh, street workers who, uh, I would say that what defines them and their disciple making is that they are mobile. Yeah, They go where they can develop meaningful connection to uh, people in need. Um, so Q- Q-U-E-S, street workers, and finally T, transformers. Trans- and uh, of course, we all picture the the kid show too right you know transformers but yeah i'm
1: thinking Optimus prime as a as a mission Optimus canada worker prime. yeah
2: <laughs> so uh, Optimus disciple maker uh, <laughs> transformers bring an intentional focus to at-risk populations transformers express the compassion of the gospel through hospitality through relief and development work and discipleship and so, transformers uh, generally their urban strategy will include things like street missions, food security, housing initiatives, children and youth programs. Uh, so uh, these are five models of how disciple making is happening in PAOC in Canada. And uh, if God, you know, uh, were to uh, invite anyone who's listening to the podcast to move downtown, what would your life as a disciple look like? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that we have to think missionary.
1: Yeah,
2: We have to enter the culture, learn the language, learn the customs, and before you can be a good missionary, you have to leave your homeland for a new place. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that that's, that's a big need in our, um, in our, uh, tribe, in our, our family, yeah. uh, Christian family is we need, uh, more people who will leave their homeland for a new place. Yeah. And, and, uh, that doesn't always mean, uh, somewhere on the other side of the world. That might mean just, uh, actually moving, moving down the street.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And and discovering that you're in a new land
1: <laughs> well, where you
2: have to enter the culture, learn the language, learn the customs, and then uh, contextualize uh, the message.
1: Yeah. You've painted an excellent picture for us, I think, of, of what some great things, like what kinds of ministries and people and workers... Uh, are doing in our, in our POC family. And then of course, outside our POC family, I, when I, when I hear about urban work and when, when people talk about it, it's not just one group that's doing it. It's many groups together that are doing it. And it's, oh, for sure. and it's a wonderful way for us as a tribe to join other tribes to, cause we all have the same goal in the end is we're to bring life to the cities, to the you, brokenness, to people, and, uh, but you're, I would like to get, so right. oh. I'd like to get a little bit more specific about what are some of the things that maybe you're experimenting with in your context. Sure. We talked about that yeah. at a Western Ontario district event and I said, okay, we need to talk about, uh, you know, what you guys are kind of trying. So why don't you take a couple of minutes to talk about that?
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, what, uh, what we've been, uh, experimenting with, uh, a lot of it would, uh, I would simply call it a ministry of hospitality mm-hmm. and uh, the gift of hospitality uh, as as we've learned to express it. Um, let me tell you about Feeding Windsor. Feeding Windsor is uh, one of our uh, ministries in New Song Church, and uh, people who are interested can uh, go on, on the web, feedingwindsor.com and uh get a get the big picture the overview of all the different things that we're doing but uh i i would sum it all up as as a, a ministry of hospitality so that probably the the two ways that feeding windsor is is seeing some some real fruitfulness uh one is in our um, relationship with churches besides uh, our church we have uh a Baptist church and an African church that, uh, we partner with that in all three of our churches in, in across the urban core, uh, we're doing a weekly community meal, uh, free of charge. Uh, and, and, and the, the motivation behind it is this is how the church can, uh, love its neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we, we check our, uh, evangelist hat at at the door, mm-hmm. and we put on our loving our neighbor, showing hospitality hat yeah. in our community meals, and and out of that relationship that is formed, uh, it, it it's causing over time people to come in the doors of the church, encounter um, you know godly people. And uh, next thing you know, they're they're asking questions. Next thing you know, they're opening up to you and coming to Jesus. And uh, so that's something we've done for a long time. Uh, the other thing that's newer uh, that I want to just hit on is our lunch clubs. So we worked out an arrangement uh, with City of Windsor. They have uh, several um, uh, properties that are... Uh, low income neighborhoods, geared income, uh, some of the, some of the darker places in our city, uh, are in low income housing. And, uh, so, uh, a building, uh, right downtown, uh, that, has a, uh, 18 story high rise, uh, biggest high rise, uh, downtown, 400 units filled with, Uh, people with all kinds of problems over the years. There's been uh, jumpers going off the balconies. There's been, you know, uh, prostitution in the hallways, drug deals. It's just a mess. Mm -hmm. And yet in the midst of that horrible mess that sometimes happens, uh, there are uh, a larger number of people that are not uh, buying into all of the chaos that's around them. They're living scared, you know, uh, older single people that uh, this is the only place they can afford to live. And uh, so when they come into the building, they just keep their head down, get right to their apartment. And uh, don't really build a lot of community or friendships in their building because, mm-hmm makes sense. Uh, There's, there's, it's, it's not a high trust environment. Yeah. So we went in with our, our lunch club and, uh, here's what we, we offered. We said in the community room, uh, we'll provide a Monday to Friday lunch club. You can sign up and for $25 a month, uh, we'll give you lunch five days a week, all month long. Mm. So super affordable but it's it's empowering the the resident to say with their meager, meager incomes, well, man, I can't I can't feed myself for twenty five dollars a month. And I can't eat that cheaply. Yeah. And so they, they, they come, they get a nutritious, well rounded meal. In the community room, at first, uh, people would just take the takeout container and and hurry back to their apartment. But as we persisted in it, increasingly, we saw that people would come and they'd sit down to eat their meal in the community room. They'd start talking to their neighbors. And, uh, you know, some of the folks that um, in the building who were hard in their addictions, uh, they wouldn't spend twenty five dollars um, on a meal program, so they they uh, had another use for the twenty five dollars at the beginning of the month. Yeah, you know they were gonna they spend it on addiction. So, so the the, the level of chaos uh, was thinned out just by virtue of the fact that we created a, a way for people in uh, a risky place uh, to build safe community so on the heels of doing those kind of things and and uh we're in in several buildings and, and increasing um, into neighborhoods wow. and uh, the wow. city the city loves us they yeah they, they've rolled out the red carpet so we've gone in and we've ran alpha programs uh we've uh we run bible studies uh this year alone in my church uh there's been at least a dozen people that uh, came and got uh, baptized in water, mm. and uh, they, uh, the majority of them, were people that were getting saved and reached in their building, wow. not in our church. Yeah. And and so that's that's something that we're really excited about. You know, just the incredible uh, door that God has opened. Because I always wondered, you know, in a city, how do you Actually, crack the code of yeah. you know getting into those high rises, yeah. and uh, one way is to move in yourself yeah. and uh, and reach out to your neighbors, yeah. start to build some some security that way. Uh, but in the in the case of poverty, uh, folks, this is low hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, you don't you don't need to uh, have a million dollar strategy to reach millionaires. Yeah. Um, you know, you the some of the richest people I've met, rich in spirit have been among some of the poorest people.
1: Yeah.
2: Some of the most generous people I know are some of the poorest people I know. Yeah. And uh that's that's the treasure in the broken land that uh we're going after in my church. That's that's my heart for for urban centers and uh yeah, there's there's other people that Uh, you know, all these different ways that we can make disciples. And uh, I would say our church is probably more of an energizer urban church. Uh, You know, we're not so much uh, uh, culture shapers in terms of, uh, you know, hanging with the high rollers and and influencing uh, the influencers. But um, but it's 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 who we are and what we're doing.
1: Love it, Thank, man! This is so good. Why don't you take just a minute as we get close to wrapping up here? What would you say to our pastors in our movement in Canada? What would what would you say to them? What's important for us to remember as a movement? Maybe what do we need to start leaning into? Uh,
2: first thing I would say is is the outward bound vision yeah uh, you know Abraham was called by God to go to a new place not <laughs> suggesting yeah. every pastor oh time to move <laughs> uh, I, what I'm saying in that is where you are it's time to move yeah where you are it's time to hear the the urban cry or the Suburban cry or the yes. town cry, yes, you know, yes, hear yes. it yeah. and and start to think and train your people to think like missionaries. Yeah. Um, don't spend less time focused on are we um, you know making sure that every need in the uh, the local church is being met by us. Yeah, uh, but and and start instead to think how is our local church positioned to reach our world and how do we release people to, to get into the surrounding, uh, culture. Uh, the second thing I would say to, to those who are musing on these things is the image of God is in every person and it's waiting to be revealed.
1: Yeah. And,
2: uh, so much of our, uh, mission is hindered, uh, by how, how we are steeped in our biases and prejudices. Yeah. And and I learned that coming into urban culture and to poverty culture was that I had so many preconceived ideas that I had to let go of. Um, Jesus was so accessible to sinners and uh, you know, we all have to make our churches accessible. In fact, it's legislation where by, I think 2025, we all have to, be meeting our, our building codes to make sure we're wheelchair accessible and, mm-hmm. and uh, all the things that go along with that, you know, but bigger question is you may be wheelchair accessible, but are you center accessible? Mm-hmm. How easy is it for a sinner to come into church? And uh, that's where we got some work to do. Yeah. Um, I would say also to those who are uh, pondering the call of God to something new, don't take the world's no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't new churches and disciple-making communities thrive in impossible places yeah. where everything is set against you? It's a good word. Case in point, China, Yeah. right? 10% of China's population now identify as Christians. And, uh, and that's, uh, in, on the heels of, uh, years of communism where, uh, the, the church was banned and outlawed. So don't take the world's no for an answer. That's a great word. You are called to impossible places.
1: That's a great word. Thanks, Kevin. That's, that is really, really good. As you know, we do rapid fire questions. And so right. uh, so get ready here. They're going to come flying at you pretty quick.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll try to respond quickly.
1: Best book you've read in the last six months.
2: Oh, uh, actually, I'm reading it right now. Yeah. And it's written by one of our PAOC guys. I'm reading a pre-release yeah? called Hidden Faces, Hidden Faces, Discovering Our True Identity, Identity in Christ.
1: Oh, great. And it's
2: by uh, Josh Tremblay. Oh, uh, who's pastoring Lightboat Church? Yeah, I know Josh, Margaret's Bay, Nova Scotia. Yeah, great. Okay. Uh, hey, hey, you know what? Uh, when this book uh, launches, um, I would encourage everybody to take go for this one. This guy, uh, and I've known Josh a long time. Uh, I had no idea of the depth that was in his writing. Okay. My goodness, cool. Um, he's a classic in the making.
1: Favorite podcast.
2: Well, obviously, it's this one.
1: Yeah, of course. I have to say Uh, that uh, one. Next to it? I
2: have to say that, yeah. And uh, there's two other podcasts that I would... uh, uh, I'm just especially enjoying right now. Um, Deep Talks is uh, one exploring theology and meaning-making. Yeah. And uh, another one that I just started listening to that's really... Um, Given me a good stir is Bema Discipleship, and uh, Bema Discipleship. Uh, the, uh, the 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 guy doing the podcast. Uh, basically, it's a series of discussions on viewing um, the, the, all of the biblical stories from an Eastern perspective rather than through western eyes
1: oh cool
2: and uh this guy was uh, rabbinically trained yeah, okay and so he was really really giving some uh, some fresh perspective to a lot of familiar stories so so there's two that i'm i'm really enjoying and then for fun um i like another one called crime town where um <laughs> uh, they're exploring uh major american cities Okay. And uh, just kind of the seedy underbelly of organized crime in those places.
1: Your least favorite cold drink? Uh,
2: that bubble tea. Oh, the
1: bubble
2: I, tea! I just you can't do I, it. I, 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 I don't
1: know. Your favorite it, hot it drink? Do it for me. Your favorite hot drink? Favorite
2: hot drink? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, coffee.
1: Just straight up. Um,
2: love americano. Okay. Like a good americano.
1: Professional athlete? What would you be?
2: um yeah not much of a sports guy more of a board game guy
1: Um, (laughs) if you were a board game (laughs) if your life was a board game what board game would your life be (laughs) trouble trouble (laughs) hey kev thanks so much for jumping on today we so appreciate it
2: thanks paul love what you're doing and uh love love our our movement man we we got so many exciting things popping up.
1: I totally agree. Again, thanks so much.
0: Kevin Rogers and Paul Fraser are just a couple of Canadians who are thinking about how we can be effective in our gospel witness in the urban core. Quest is an easy acronym to help us begin to identify some of the range of ministries that are alive in your city. Do you know who they are and the value of their work? Our goal with Sidewalk Skyline Podcast is to tell some of the stories that reflect this. On April 1st, our episode will feature Chad Nickerson from St. John, New Brunswick. He pastors a historic congregation in downtown St. John. We're going to hear from the letter U, representing urban churches. While outsiders usually don't think of the Maritimes in an urban context, It is there, just the same in a handful of cities. The challenges are just as real, but so are the visions of redemption that inspire guys like Chad Nickerson. Until our next episode, keep one ear to the sky and one ear to the ground in your city. This is Bill Riley, and you are listening to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.